As the crisis in the Middle East escalates, there's one country the U.S. references all the time. We do not want this war to widen. But if Iran or its proxies attack U.S. personnel anywhere, make no mistake, we will defend our people, we will defend our security swiftly and decisively. Last weekend, three U.S. soldiers were killed in a drone attack. The location was northeastern Jordan. The target was a U.S. military base called Tower 22. The group claiming responsibility is the Islamic resistance in Iraq. But the U.S. is clear on where blame really lies. Our teams here are continuing to do the analysis, but we know that um, Iran is behind it. And um, certainly, as, as we've said before here in this, in this briefing room, um, Iran continues to arm and equip these groups to launch these attacks. Iran calls these claims baseless accusations. But Iran does have a network of allies across the region. It has a name for it, the Axis of Resistance. United, it says, in its opposition to Israel and the U.S. This axis includes the group behind the Tower 22 attack. Iran has taken advantage, frankly, of the, the current moment of conflict to do what Iran has been doing for many, many years, which is to disrupt, uh, to target the U.S. and partners in a variety of ways, uh, mostly through uh, the efforts of its um, proxy militias. And since Hamas's attack on October the 7th and Israel's response to it, this disruption has taken many forms. For example, Houthi rebels in Yemen have repeatedly attacked shipping in the Red Sea. The U.S. says there have been over 160 attacks by militia on its military positions in Iraq and Syria. But how does this network of allies work? How close is their relationship with Iran? And what is Iran trying to achieve? If we go back to 1979, there was an uprising in Iran against the monarchy. Iran became an Islamic republic. Ever since, it sought to spread its influence in the region. In recent years, that's involved support for the Assad regime in Syria, where Iranian forces have been deployed, support for large militant groups, such as Hezbollah in Lebanon and the Houthis in Yemen, and support for smaller groups, including in Iraq. We have a whole range of Iraqi Shia militias um, which have been formed in lots of different ways and have very different connections with Iran. And in fact, the, they're in an umbrella movement that has non-Shia militias included as well. So it's very complicated to navigate the types of links uh, within that part of the axis of resistance. And Iran's support for its network comes in several forms. First, money. In 2020, the U.S. estimated that Iran gave Hezbollah $700 million a year, as well as $100 million a year to Palestinian groups, including Hamas, and it estimates the Houthis have received hundreds of millions of dollars too. Iran doesn't acknowledge this funding. But as well as money, Iran is supplying weapons too. Recently, two U.S. military personnel died in an operation to intercept a boat in the Red Sea. The U.S. released this image. It says the boat was transporting Iranian-made weapons to the Houthis. Or there's Hezbollah. One estimate put his arsenal at 130,000 rockets and missiles. It's believed many of them come from Iran. And if Iran is supplying money and weapons, is it also coordinating the actions of its allies? After October the 7th, the U.S. acknowledged we have not yet seen evidence that Iran directed or was behind this particular attack. More broadly, Iran's allies appear to operate with a significant degree of independence. But that needs placing in context. Iran does not necessarily exert day-to-day -day 
operational control over each and every one of its proxies. But that's, that being said, when you provide strategic direction, when you provide significant materiel, when you provide significant training, uh, you cannot expect, you cannot um, avoid uh, culpability. And given this level of support from Iran, inevitably, many are asking, what does it want? Well, to understand this, we again need to look at Iran's history, not least the Iran-Iraq War of the 1980s, which began when Iraq invaded. Iran doesn't necessarily see itself as an aggressive actor. It sees itself as deeply vulnerable. Uh, in particular, uh, memories of the Iran-Iraq War, um, when it was very vulnerable to Iraqi missiles and many people died, are absolutely key in Iran's political conception of where it sits in the region. Um, so its whole policy is built on never again allowing itself to be encircled or isolated. And to meet that goal, the axis of resistance is crucial. It is not looking for a massive escalation and, and, and a war outright with the U.S. or Israel. What it's interested in, in, however, is maintaining the kind of equilibrium and violence groups that it has across the region. In a statement this week, Iran's Revolutionary Guard said, we do not seek war, but we are not afraid of war. Iran's motivations and ambitions are a fiercely contested subject. But as the U.S. calibrates its response to the Tower 22 attack, there's no debate that the axis of resistance is crucial to Iran's efforts to position itself in the region and to challenge Israel and America.